You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday to all of you. I would like to give you a quick little reminder real quick of a couple of things. First off, yesterday we released our inspiration piece, one of our favorite pieces ever, just dropped on YouTube. It was part of season 10. It's been on Amazon Prime, and it just came out to the main YouTube channel. This is the Jaguar E-Type. I need a minute. The Ferrari Testarossa, (laughs) your 928, and my 300ZX. We have a conversation about cars that inspired us, cars that inspired the show, why we drive, why we love driving. It gets kind of personal, and I it's one of my all-time favorites we did. I agree. I'm glad that's coming out. It's been a long time. I'm excited for people to see it. Mm-hmm. It's just been on TV, but at this point, all of you get to see it. So that is coming. In the meantime, we have been driving the 2022 Volvo XC90 Recharge T8 inscription extended range it's all the things every little badge and thing they can add to an xc90 is on this one it is fully loaded Mm -hmm. for eighty four thousand and ninety dollars that is a lot of money that is a lot of money that's such that's a lot of money and volvo is very premium now Mm -hmm. they are in the echelon of the germans okay as far as gunning that way what you get Mm -hmm. now this is the plug-in hybrid we love what volvo is doing Mm-hmm. Every time you get in, it's a sanctuary. It's now at Mercedes level that as far of, as this is where you want to be. Some of the very best interiors being offered by anybody at any price point are currently found in Volvo products. Yes. So that costs money. Absolutely. Yes. But nevertheless. All right. This is a plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. It has the 18.8 kilowatt battery. That's 270 to 400 volts. And the improvements mean that it has a third layer of cells, so primarily for cold days to increase the range, mm. which has now gone up to 35 to 41 miles when driven in the pure mode, which is not hard. You just drive it. And depending on the model, a on, on a full charge. Mm-hmm. Now, this also means that the Recharge T8 model is qualif- qualified for the full $7,500 federal tax credit. That does take which a is nice. bit of a piece off that eighty four grand. Yes, but the best part is the driving that I did today in it. Mm. This has a two-liter turbo motor. It's not supercharged. It's, it's the just standard, the turbo. It's the standard Volvo everything we do motor, yes. Eight-speed auto, mm-hmm. and now a higher horsepower electric motor in the rear, 143 horsepower for a combined total of 455 horsepower and 523 pound-feet of torque. Mm-hmm. Yes. I got on one of our favorite on-ramps in Kimball Junction and put it down. Did you? I took the corner like... You know, we take corners. Like you're supposed to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw a Mercedes AMG SUV in my rear view. Mm-hmm. And when, when I took the corner, it was on because he was a little bit behind me and he thought, oh, I've got, it's just a Volvo. Yeah. I've got him. And then I put it down <laughs> and said, bye now. And he caught up pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but he kept trying to pass me the entire time. And <laughs> I would, you know, use traffic to slam the door. Oh, yeah. Of course, yes. And then he thought, oh, I'm, I'm in the AMG. I'm just going to get him. And I said, no, you're not, because mm-hmm. this thing is so fast. It moves like it shouldn't. Agreed. Agreed. It, and it, it, it's so good. And it does it with no drama. That's the thing yeah. about it. I mean, yeah. the a- AMG is a great example. We love the AMG SUVs. They handle like they shouldn't. But when you put your foot down on one of those, it's all drama. 
Yes. It gets loud and growly and it Great. turns into this crazy yes. thing. The Volvo just kind of goes, oh, okay, we're going fast now. It, 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 there's no extra drama. It's just lots of extra speed. Oh. I took this down one of our favorite roads doing some location scouting earlier mm-hmm. today. I drove it quite quickly for a large seven-seater, mm-hmm. and I discovered a few things that I should share. First off, there's no modes. There's no I'm finding sport mode. It's just right foot. Yep. And it finds all the power and is, is really surprising. If you have a sharp corner when you put said power down, guess what? Torque steer does reveal itself. It can't, sure. it can't get away from the realities of physics. Also, it is definitely tuned more to be a family hauler than a sports SUV because it does have the body roll to match. It does, but it's a seven-seater. But it's a seven-seater, and it's a luxury seven-seater. And if you weren't driving it like I was driving it, which, let's be candid, is not the way they intended anyone to drive it, it's phenomenal, and I can't get over yes. how great the interior is and how little drama there is when you ask for all the power. The turn-in is, uh, there's a little bit of a dead spot, and then it's pretty sharp yeah. on the initial turn-in. Mm-hmm. And the screen is not the biggest in the interior, but the entire interior is so refreshing to be in. Screen is not the biggest, but that's a good thing. I agree. I think the screen, I think the screen feels realistically sized. Yeah, it's something we're not used to seeing. You want to get in a car and think the entire windshield is a screen. Yeah, we're I'm getting lost there. in we're entertainment. There. Yes, for sure. This is just realistic and normal. And then the front seats are the most comfortable. They're so good. They're very thin. Mm-hmm. They're elegant. Mm-hmm. Because they're so thin, there's actual knee space behind those in the yes. second row. Uh-huh. And they have massage, heating, and cooling. And they're incredibly supportive. Yes, Phenomenal seats. Where are these seat designers for every other car maker on the planet? I know $84,000 is a lot of money for a a truck. Mm -hmm. But people have asked us many times, guys, is there a balance, a compromise between having a family hauler and something that's still fun to drive? Yes, there is, but you got to pay for it. Yeah. I'm shocked how good it is. True in the XC90, true in the, we just did this test drive, true in the Acura uh, MDX Type S. That was good. That was really good. You got to spend money to get that compromise of both of the above. And and look, we we've talked a lot of times about how much we like the AMG uh, sixty three GLS sixty three. All awesome. of the AMGs, yes, but it's or even the the GLE is excellent in that yeah. regard as well. Yes. But you're talking one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So these now at seventy and eighty start to look cheap. It's it's a really weird thing we're we're talking about. Half here. price sale, everyone. Half price sale. You spent half as much. It's still wildly too expensive. But wow, they're good. <laughs> the Mercedes AMG driver was pissed. Oh, I'm sure he was he not didn't happy. Like being and left. No, he, yes. he caught up. He had the of power. Course, of course he did. And then yes. traffic, you know, uh-huh. I, I was already exceeding the speed limit, so I just backed off and he caught up. He was uh-huh. breaking it hard just to get up behind me mm-hmm. and, you know, see what was the matter here. Why is but, the Volvo quick? He was fast. The Volvo should not be quick. So funny. Guys, I have a favor to ask, and that is, if you haven't rated this podcast, would you do so, please? Because that really helps us stay in that top 10, sometimes top 5 podcast rating. We were just in Philly. We met so many of you at that really cool meetup the night before Radwood and then the following day at Radwood and many of you said to us some very flattering encouraging things about this podcast and I have to appreciate it but I would love for you to share that information with others give us a rating and a review that helps that helps others find the podcast I can't even tell you guys how many stories we hear where people just say I was looking for a car podcast and I looked at the top 10 and that's how they found us so we want other people to find it that same way so we'd love it if you'd help us there
Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Joshua S. is in southern New Jersey and has an obsession with Ford Motor Company, mm-hmm. but he also has fear of missing out and a fear of electrics. Yes, foe. We, we, we coined foe and FOMO it and circled foe. back. Yes. Well, he currently drives a 2012 Volkswagen Passat VR6 with the DSG. Okay. It's 10 years old. Starting to get a little long in the tooth with minor gremlins, like a leaky valve cover gasket and express up-down windows that are no longer express. And he says, that usual Volkswagen Christmas tree of dash lights that can all be easily and readily ignored. I'm coming back to that sentence, by the way. Just so you know, Joshua, just, 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 I'm putting a pin in that sentence. It will return. <laughs> As he writes this, he's finding himself in a pickle. He think it would be good to get outside opinions. Because he's experiencing fear of missing out in conjunction with the fear of electrics. Mm -hmm. He's watching cars that he's pined for skyrocket in value right out of his price range (laughs) due to the chip shortage. And the electric onslaught is gradually making his dream cars seem more and more precious to everyone. And it's bolstering their market values potentially forever. Mm -hmm. In November of 2021, he special ordered a Cactus Gray Ford Maverick XL Hybrid. He says he's a DIY homeowner for nearly a decade. He found himself bemoaning not only owning a small truck for light Home Depot runs and hauling appliances or furniture, and because it gets good fuel economy and has ample room for his wife and his kids, Mm -hmm. three years old and six years old, it seems like a total no-brainer. I I see the logic there, and I think the Maverick would be a great choice for what you're talking about. It is. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. He says he's never owned a truck because he's been obsessed with fun cars, but he could have a lot of fun modifying his Maverick with lowering springs, wheels and tires, vinyl and lighting upgrades <laughs> to keep it interesting until it's paid off. And then he can go buy a truly fun car to make for the perfect two-car tool-for-the-job garage. Okay. All right. He's been afflicted since elementary school. As He's have many of us. watched and read yes. everything. By the way, Joshua, all the designers at every car studio and on the planet, mm-hmm. they're all watching and reading everything else, and they're just as true. obsessed. Yeah, that's true. Good point. As much as we consume, they are too. Mm-hmm. He says he's followed us on YouTube for nearly 10 years. That's wow. a long time. We, we've been at it a while, but thank you. Yeah. Well, Joshua's best friend, Nate, who we featured on episode 620, thinks that he will get bored of it quickly. Maverick. That the Maverick's going to have a short shelf life with Joshua. He's just going to be very bored. And he should have done the EcoBoost all-wheel drive Maverick. Yeah, okay. But he says even though he has yet to be issued a build date as of this recording or as of this email, his dealer tells him it could be pushed into model year 2023. So he's second-guessing everything at this point. I think it will be model year 2023 at this point. I think that's kind of where we are on the Maverick lineup if you haven't heard already. And he says he has a long history of settling 
when it comes to cars. Mm. He's car obsessed. Mm-hmm. Think about the logic here. He's car obsessed since elementary school. He wants a fun car. He's decided to buy a pickup. So far, we have some non-equal signs, but we're making the jumps. He's decided to buy a pickup, and now he's thinking, wait a minute, how do I actually get into something fun? Because he typically settles for more practical and more financially prudent cars in spite of his car obsession. Closest he had to an enthusiast vehicle was his supercharged Pontiac Grand Prix GTP, which I I will step to the side for a second. I remember the first time I drove one of those. I couldn't believe how much better they were than I expected. I'm not saying it's a standout, but I remember driving one and being like, you know, that's pretty good. Okay, okay. A Crown Vic police interceptor, that would have been surprisingly fast, and everyone would have probably slowed down around you, Joshua, right. all the time. Right. And then he has his current Passat. That's why it seems so fast. That's why it seems fast. <laughs> it's not everyone actually else, fast. That's funny. That's very funny. His current Passat VR6 DSG, uh, they were all cars he settled on. Meanwhile, he's wanted for the past 20 years a GTI with the golf ball shifter and plaid seats or maybe a GTO from the early mid-2000s. The, the, the alt to the vet, he mm-hmm, likes those. Mm-hmm. And how about uh, a Grand Sport vet, maybe a C6 Grand Sport? Those are the ones he wants. He doesn't buy them. He buys Volkswagens. He's a huge Volkswagen fanboy. His second favorite brand is Pontiac. So which means you're now left with Volkswagen. Volkswagens and Pontiacs. Mm-hmm. That okay, is quite right. the combination. But he's not a total brand loyalist. He says there's plenty of cars from just about every brand he'd consider giving the, given the opportunity and funds. Well, that's all of us. That's listening. good. No, but yes. I'm glad. I'm glad you're, you're willing to branch out. The conundrum is this. Does he keep patiently waiting for his Maverick? Or does he ba- abandon the Maverick order because he's having fear of missing out, compounded on top of a fear of electrics? To further muddy the waters, he's been promised a promotion with an accompanying raise this summer at his job, which he loves. Okay. He's got a great boss who's been a man of his word, but he doesn't intend to make any major purchasing decision around a hypothetical future budget increase. Ding, ding, ding. Smart man. Very smart man. So it's led him to strongly consider putting the brakes on taking delivery of the Maverick were it to be delivered to his dealer before the promotion, the job promotion. Mm-hmm is scheduled to take effect. But if he were to pass on the Maverick, he'd be in the market for another four-door sedan, and this time something more exciting than the Passat. And you remember, Volkswagen is his number one brand. Yes. You're my number one uh, guy. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I, I always wonder what house Jack Nicholson was paying off to do that movie. He just, the, the, <laughs> I just got the, the impression that Jack Nicholson was like, I'm here, I'm going to ham it up. I'm going to way totally overplay did. this. I'm going to cash my check, and I'm going to buy another boat or yeah, something. Yeah, he probably did. Mm-hmm. Joshua wants all-wheel traction and performance with ample cargo and people capacity, okay. as well as a nice, comfortable interior. And so his current obsession is a Volkswagen Arteon R-Line 4Motion. Okay. He is sure that we will tell him it's not fun or different enough from his Passat, but he thinks it's absolutely gorgeous in the Lapis Blue and don't forget, he's a Volkswagen fanboy, so of course he's going to spend $500 to flash the ECU, bump it up to 370 or more horsepower. Plus, he feels like it's the last truly special German-built, finely engineered, internally combustion-engined luxury sport sedan from Volkswagen. Okay, all right. It's the nicer-looking, more luxurious, roomier Golf R, if you were to have a Golf R, and this is the top pick if he were to pass on the Maverick. And his runner-up is, of course, the Kia Stinger GT. He loves the sound of the twin-turbo V6. He loves all the colors. He would 
take it in any color. Okay. But he says it looks a little too long from some some angles, and it just doesn't look as good as the Ardeon. Okay. I, I have so many thoughts already. <laughs> Joshua, there are so many thoughts. So, he's got other options. He's got the honorable mentions. Oh, no. Okay. Like the Jericho yeah, Corolla, yep. the Mark 7 Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon, Fort Motion, and Alltrack, the IS350 F Sport Lexus, a Subaru WRX, the brand new one, mm-hmm. and the Chrysler 300S Hemi, which he also loves. Interesting. He all right. waxes poetically about the GR Corolla. We all have. And it at goes this point, on and on about the car it, yes. has not been released for people to drive. Nobody's driven it at this point. As but of this he's recording. completely intrigued by what it presents itself as. This is that hype train thing you and I were talking about recently. <laughs> the whole world is interested in the GR Corolla, yeah. and it is probably the better part of six months away from being real yeah. on video and even being talked about. And when it gets here, what are we going to be obsessing about? Because the Corolla hype is now... And the car isn't now. He also says there's one other option, right? Like right at the very end, he says, by the way, um, <clears throat> he and his friend, remember that friend that said the Maverick's going to get boring? He yeah, and his Nate. friend have heard about the 2023 Ford Maverick ST possibility with the 2.3 liter EcoBoost and maybe a lot more power in all-wheel drive. Is this possible if it gets confirmed before his hybrid comes in? He might defer to that and then <laughs> maybe down the road get a BRZ. So, Joshua, you're everywhere is really what we've concluded. I want to start here on your Maverick and just say this. I think that there's a Maverick ST coming. I think there's a performance model of that. Whether they call it the ST or they call it the Maverick Raptor, and then you can make some new badge, Paul. I don't know what it's going to be. The Raptor Maverick something. Mm. I don't know. I think there will be a performance version of the Maverick coming. Can I license the Top Gun logo? I, I doubt Put it. Put the Maverick in there. Because if you did, I think Tom Cruise gets 75% of that. So yeah, that, probably. it's probably not going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, so the Maverick, some sort of performance variant is probably coming. I don't know when. I don't know what that will be. I know the rumor mill is, is churning. We'll see what happens. But I don't think that's why you buy a Maverick. I mean, the Maverick is exactly what you identified earlier. It's usable. It's inexpensive. It gets good, it's good guys mileage. Once you get a Maverick that's 50 grand... Think about it. Think about it. Oh my gosh, that's a horrifying thought. Because the loaded Maverick right now, the good tow package all-wheel drive EcoBoost version is 40. Somebody's going to have to remake Sport Compact Truck Magazine. So so think about it, though. If they make a performance Maverick, what's that going to cost? It's going to cost every bit of 50. Now, would you buy the, the, the interior of the Maverick works when that car's under 30? When it's 40, you start to go, hmm, I don't know. This Hyundai Santa Cruz has got a really nice interior. At 50, you can't make that interior nice enough to be 50 grand. Mm. And is it going to be enough of a performance variant that you just don't care? I think a $50,000 Maverick, there, there's, now let me step to the side. There's people that's for. There's people that will buy that happily, and I'm sure they will sell out of them. I just don't think it's for you, Joshua. I think what you need is a, just a Maverick to do your Maverick stuff. To go mavericking. You know it. Yeah, make it a verb. Um, so I'm going to say something real quick about Volkswagen, and then I'm going to, to hand it over to you, Paul, and then I'll come back to the other things I think you should consider. <clears throat> but real quick about Volkswagen. You, you talk about being a Volkswagen fan, <clears throat> but early on, talking about your Passat, you have that sentence. Remember that sentence I said I was going to come back to? <clears throat> you said, the usual Volkswagen Christmas tree of dash lights that can all be easily and readily ignored. That's funny. You, it's excellent. You are acknowledging here that the Volkswagens are not very reliable. You're acknowledging that they're problems. 
But then you move on to what I really want is an Ardeon. I like the Ardeon. With a new Christmas tree of dash lights. Yeah, exactly. They can all just be waiting. easily and Just waiting for, li- for later. I like the Ardeon. We had a test drive of the Ardeon. We were pleasantly surprised by mm-hmm. it. Sure. I think it's very good. I don't think it's very aspirational. Now, I know that you like it, and I, I think it is good styling. And I also think it's interesting that you feel like you're going to make it fun by doing this is the classic Volkswagen owner thinking. I will flash the ECU for no money, and it will be more powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that exists. Any time. No, that's not right. Every time we critique a Volkswagen for not being fun enough, the comments are littered with people telling which tune to make it faster. The problem is, faster doesn't solve other issues. Agreed. And so it will be faster. It will be no doubt faster. But the Ardeon is not set up to be a performance car. It's just not. So how far down the road do you want to go to try to make the Ardeon something it's not? Now, if the Ardeon you decide is really, that is the definitive Volkswagen you kind of want to end on for an internal combustion car, then you know what? I'm not going to stay on your way. Go get it, enjoy it, tune mm-hmm. it. But you're going to have to do a lot more than just tune it to turn it into a performance sedan that's also fast. Your tune's just going to make it faster, and that's fine, but it's still that MQB chassis now struggling with soft suspension to deal with all that power. So I have other recommendations, but I, I, don't, think, I don't think the Ardeon is a definitive product from Volkswagen. I think it's an alternate okay. of other things they make. Okay. So I have other things to consider, but I'm going to pause for a moment and let us ponder Volkswagen. <laughs> well, Joshua, I admire your commitment to your family. I admire your sense of practicality and being a do-it-yourselfer. I absolutely, yes, and not being too frivolous and being that way has prevented you from having a crazy hair on fire. This car doesn't fit my life and I love it kind of amazing sports car Mm -hmm. you haven't tasted that yet Mm -hmm. okay but right now you're living the tyranny of the urgent we all are the gr corolla Mm. is the exact specific example of the tyranny of the urgent it's right now Mm. it's the most specs it's the best car ever it's the (laughs) best do you want a mclaren 720s or do you want a gr corolla everybody wants a gr corolla just because that's the hottest new thing because right now it's in front of me it's at the checkout line. It's just all GR Corollas by the bubblegum and the mints. It continued on our East Coast trip. Yes. Every time somebody walked over and asked about the GR86, because it was our support vehicle on our trip, every time I got into a conversation about that car, two sentences in, we were talking about the GR Corolla. Is that the new GR86? Oh, yeah, those are really cool. That's a great color. <laughs> anyway. What do you think about that Corolla? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, but we haven't even touched this car yet. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. I admire that about you. And it's tough to be in that situation where you're at a place where you want the fun, mm-hmm. but yet you still have responsibilities. And that's many people. Mm-hmm. Now, your urgent needs should take priority, especially for your family. Those needs should happen first. Because once you take delivery of the Maverick, you will be free of the obligation to make a compromise in your fun car. Mm. I'm going to say that again. Once you have that Maverick, you're no longer obligated to compromise the second car. Mm. It frees you from that. It can be the stupid, crazy, fun sports car that doesn't fit, that has no practicality, that does none of the things an Ardeon does. 
because you have the Maverick. That's good. He doesn't say if his if his wife uh, what his wife drives because there's something else. We're in the not equation. sure. Yeah. And the other part of the to this that we don't even touch on is Joshua seems to only be talking about cars he could buy new. What if to exactly where you're going? What if he has that Maverick to solve all the problems and he spends no money to it's buy himself money. a cheap convertible two door? Hello. Yes. Yeah. You said about your job. You do not intend to make any major purchasing decision based around a hypothetical future budget increase. Smart. But you also can't make any major buying decision based on a hypothetical future car, which is what you're doing with the Maverick ST. And And you said you wouldn't based on the hypothetical car. Mm. You have a hypothetical budget that hasn't happened yet based on a hypothetical car. That yeah, hasn't happened that's yet. That's good. That's very good. You can't do that either. Yeah. And then let me scroll back up here. <laughs> We're being hard on you. We keep, re- we keep circling back on this email, yeah. Well, you said the Maverick, and I'm going to do stuff to it. I'm going to have vinyl and graphics and lighting and lowering springs and wheels and tires and keep it interesting. It's not interesting. It shouldn't be interesting. It's not its purpose. Ford might as well have put chalkboards on the inside of the doors for the kids. Let's keep it the kid toolbox. It's Let's useful. Let's keep it there. You're a do-it-yourselfer. It's for runs and furniture. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get scraped and dinged and kids and goo and Cheerios and yes. vomit and hose it out and keep it that way. It shouldn't be your fun car. That's it needs to good. be in a special category of the mm-hmm. do-it-yourself car over it, here. It, and it, it's fantastically utilitarian. It's brilliant It's great that. at that. You've made the plan already. Mm. I say execute the plan. Get the Maverick. Take okay. delivery of it. You can always sell it. Don't wax poetically about, well, what about the Maverick ST? Forget the Maverick ST. It's mm. not around yet. That's a rumor. It hasn't even been announced by Ford. Fair. That is an internet rumor at this point. Yeah. We cannot make car buying decisions based on cars we haven't even driven, let alone cars that haven't been released. Because then there's the, from announcement to actual, it's been released to journalists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then in dealerships, and now you can get one. That's at least one year. That yeah. time frame. At least. Yes, at you're right. At least. Yeah. Again, I know I'm being hard on you, but I say get the Maverick because you have those needs. And guess what? It won't come with a Christmas tree warning light. It won't come with a dash full of lights. It's just going to run. And because you will have the do-it-yourself truck, that will score you precisely one point Mm. with your wife. Yes, it will. You will get a point. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's an important point <laughs> because then you've got the do-it-yourself truck. And now once you've got that handled, now you can let your imagination roam free. Mm. You're, you're putting your fun car ideas and trying to mash it together with what your needs are. Yeah, They are yeah. different. And your your job increase hasn't happened yet. Your salary increase hasn't even happened yet. Well, and if it, you kind of touched on this already, but if you're trying to make the Maverick fun, I actually suspect you're making it worse for all the reasons you bought it. Yes. The more you try to make it low yes. wheels and lowered, and it's becoming uh. less useful for the stuff you need to throw in it from across the parking lot at Home Depot. Yes. Get the Maverick. Don't spend another dime. Don't spend another penny beyond the car payment and the insurance for it. Mm. Do not do anything to it. It's just the Maverick. Run the kids, you do the school errand, you do the things, it does its thing, and it gets good gas mileage, and you don't spend another dime. Where you want to spend your dimes is now over here because you've gotten that out of the way. You take delivery, yeah, yeah. and now is when you're free to roam. That's good. That's it really frees good. you from that tyranny. And now you've got to go drive some things because you're attracted to all these different things. Your honorable mentions 
I don't see a through line in there. I just, I like those cars too, but you like them just because you like an element of them. It's scattershot stuff. You yeah. can't tell me specifics of why you like all those cars. Oh, because of the handling, because of the turn in, I like the chassis dynamics and the balance and you've not driven any of them. Mm. So now you've got big driving homework to do to discover what kind of driver are you? That's good. And that's Todd good. and I have discovered that over the years, but it's come over the years. And that's by, because we've driven many different things and gotten in a car that's supposed to be special that everybody loves. And we're scratching our heads. Like why, mm. why would you buy this? Mm. And then we go over to the car we love. That's what I want. That's the discovery that I want for you. Mm. And that only takes time. But once you have the Maverick, you can. Yeah, that's good. You don't have to put, the, well, I've got to have the, it's the fun car, but it's got to carry stuff and I got to fit a folding couch in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're right. You yeah. no longer have to fit mulch or gardening equipment or yeah, anything yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the fun car. It can just be. That's really good. And by the time you've driven everything, you will know. Maybe you won't like those sport wagons. Maybe you'll think, well, they're utilitarian. Uh, they're not fun cars. That. Uh, 300S Hemi, yeah, a lot of power. That does not handle well. Hmm, IS350 F-Sport. Yeah, BMW exists. Yeah, true. Oh, and the Subaru WRX and the GR Corolla. Have you considered Porsche? Have you looked at the GR86? Mm. Have you looked at a Supra? I'm just saying, there's so many new cars to discover that what if you like handling? What if handling's not an issue? What if it's all power? Man, I love Corvettes. I never really knew the depth of which I love the C7 Corvette. Maybe that's you. And he's intrigued by the the GS. So look at this as the opportunity, but you do have to stick one more time to your do-it-yourselfer. Just Mm -hmm. get get the utilitarian car. Just get it, use it, and then keep it. I like this. This is really good because you've really broken down the fact that, Joshua, I feel like what you're really struggling with is the one car conundrum. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have all of your realistic expectations of what the car has to do. And you're trying to get it to do all of those things while also being focused and fun. And those are mutually exclusive realities, unfortunately. But I want to say, <clears throat> if you really want to chase the Ardeon, and I, I think you're on the right track, Paul. I think you're, you've gone the right place. Don't chase the Ardeon. But if no. you really want to chase the Ardeon, I'm going to give you alts. Okay. All-wheel drive, four doors, all of which I think should be seriously considered as an alt to the Ardeon. Okay. The Porsche Panamera. It's Volkswagen Group. It's Volkswagen Group. Also Volkswagen Group. <laughs> the Audi A7. This is, what the Ardeon, this is what the Ardeon wants to be, is the Audi A7. The <laughs> Ardeon is the almost Audi A7. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually the one you want. And if you're going to consider the Stinger, you need to drive the Genesis G70. Mm-hmm. doesn't have a hatch, but it drives even better. You said some of the problems you have with the Stingers, it feels a little bit too long for you. G70 solves that problem. Yeah. And also, if we're driving for homework and you want all-wheel drive, you need to drive the Alpha Julia. You're a person who's not concerned by strange reliability issues, which is the only thing that people really throw at us for the reason the Julia shouldn't be considered. So drive an Alpha Julia in all-wheel drive. It's not as good in all-wheel drive, but the dynamics are still excellent. If you're really shopping already on, that's my consideration for you. But I think Paul's onto something here. I just, I imagine the sports car, whatever that is, it doesn't carry a thing. It carries gloves. It's good at carrying gloves. <laughs> Honey, you can put your purse in this car that's while we go to dinner. The purse fits. Yeah. 
beyond that, it's getting sketchy in here. Yeah. It's just humans and your purse. Love it. And that's all it has to do because you've taken delivery of that Maverick and you haven't spent a dime doing anything to it because you don't have to like it. There's no requirement for you to like it. It fits that need, and mm -hmm. you're good at fitting those needs, but you are committed, and you do have needs for your family. Because here, the one car I just, I see we're trying to mishmash both things together to try and be fun. It's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And and there are those cars. They exist. They're just blindingly expensive, and they have AMG badges on them. (laughs) A lot of them do. They do do those things. Absolutely. They're out there. But they're very expensive, and they require a lot of care and feeding. A much cheaper way to spend 29000 35000 on that hybrid mm. Maverick, and then it opens up this world of, you know what? It's just the sports car. That's all it does. Spending $10,000 total. It's just a pencil. Yep. It has a graphite, and it's got an eraser. It just writes. Finish. This it's, is it's all it does. I'm going to draw with this. It's not connected to the internet. It doesn't tell time. It won't make you breakfast. <laughs> I cannot book a hotel room with it. It's just a pencil. It's my smart pencil. <laughs> no. No. It's, it's a not num- the 17-bladed razor that connects to the internet. I like that. It's really it good. Just, it's the single-blade razor in the world of multi-blade razors. Directly to what you're talking about, directly about the Maverick. When we had the Maverick on a shoot, mm-hmm. we had a $27,000 hybrid front-wheel drive. Yeah. And I remember we spent the better part of, I think it was a lunch, the three of us, you, me, and Chance, having a genuine conversation for the show about should we have one of these? <laughs> yes. And it wasn't because we needed a sports car because we got them. It wasn't because we don't have things that actually work for production because we do. But we thought, wait a minute. It does everything we need it to do. It doesn't need to be precious. It's got great gas mileage. Yes. It's simple and it works as a tool. That's a production vehicle. And we really had like a serious conversation. Granted, it would have to be a used one down the line. But we had a really serious conversation about wouldn't this be right for us as a production vehicle? Because yes. we were buying it for all the things it's good at and not needing it to be anything else. And then in the next sentence, we can tell you all the things about the Maverick we don't like. But for the things it's good at, we were literally having a conversation about, hmm, should the show have a Maverick? <laughs> yeah. Do we need one of these? Well, the more utilitarian a, a vehicle gets, the more it opens up the sports car arena to be as interesting and engaging and yeah. least useful and practical as possible. It's almost like the, the more you slide in one direction with the utility, yeah. man, that sports car can be a catering. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Fantastic. I've got a truck and the catering with no body panels. Problem solved. <laughs> And we say this out of very much trying to help you. And look at this as an opportunity to go do some driving. And I'll bet you you're going to cross a lot of things off your list that you looked at thinking, man, what a sweet ride. It might not drive too well. Mm. It's no longer a sweet ride. It's for some people, but it ain't for you. And then you're going to discover what kind of driver you are. And you're going to end up in an Exocet or a <laughs> something hardcore and hot. And that's all it needs to do. It just carries your wife's purse. The end. With summer approaching and temperatures warming up, why not be prepared by protecting your vehicle with a custom-fit dash mat and a sunscreen from Covercraft? Dash mats are available in a variety of attractive fabrics and colors and keep your dashboard from being cracked by the sun. And we swear by our Covercraft sunscreens. They fit perfectly and help reduce those interior temperatures. Keep the sun off of all the interior surfaces. If you've ever burned your legs on your leather seats, you didn't have a sunscreen. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, Remember to use our code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected 
and looking its best. Jason L. in Atlanta, Georgia, has written to us in the third person. He is the first person to do so. It makes a very easy read, to be honest, because he has imagined he is us and re- us reading his email and yeah. entirely in the third person. I, I was two paragraphs into this, Jason, and I, and I scrolled back to figure out if somebody had written in on your behalf. <laughs> I was like, well, did, did Jason he write in for himself? on his behalf. He wrote on his behalf in the third person. I, I actually, here's my public service announcement. While I'm enjoying this, um, we're not asking for you to write your emails in the third person. Please just write us your email. Sure. But for whatever reason, Jason felt like writing to us in the third person was helpful to him. And one of the things that we talk good about exercise. a lot is, is sure. this writing these car debates in. We, we love getting them. And we get far more, even doing two podcasts a week, we get far more than we will ever cover. Thank you for writing them. Thank you for writing the car conclusions. Mm-hmm. We do get them all. We do read them all. We, we categorize and we try to pick good ones. Paul does a great job of curating this podcast. But the thing I need you to understand is the number of people that have written to us and just said, wow, this helped. Just writing it out helped. Right, exactly. Many of you guys yeah. said that to us. Or you've, you've written out your own and then listened to a bunch of the podcast and then you found your perfect car because you just, all of this conversation, and I'm including you guys as well, that we are all having helped when you shop for your car. So I like that Jason's way to process this was in the third person. <laughs> third person out-of-body experience. Looking down on himself. Exactly. Jason wrote in. Here we go. He's writing to us as a first-time caller, long-time listener who is looking to buy his official midlife crisis daily driven fun car. Like it. Jason's currently single and kid-free and has zero interest in CUVs <laughs> and SUVs and trucks or the... Nor, ir- do, you, nor do you need one. <laughs> irrational American insistence of driving a vehicle that must always accommodate four to seven passengers at any given time. Aren't we all driving all the time with six other people with us? Oh, wait. No, we're not. Jason is currently living his best life, finally having escaped the Rust Belt of the Midwest, and currently living in Atlanta, where there's no reason he can't drive a fun car year-round, and he intends to. I like this. He had originally written a draft of this submission with the intent of making this a longer-term search, but suddenly the situation has changed. He was rear-ended last weekend from when he wrote to us for a new car, and he was rear-ended his daily driver 2015 Mazda 6 is officially totaled. He doesn't want to rush into a rash decision on buying his next daily driver. By the way, Jason, we hope we're getting to you in time Mm -hmm. to make suggestions. You may still be in rental car mode at this time, but you might have purchased something already. That's okay. We still want to compare that alongside with what you've chosen, but hopefully not because he's considering a bridge car who will buy in cash while he makes a longer search. So that might be, he might be onto the bridge car while he's getting to the longer term. And that, by the way, I, I love Jason. I love that idea because that takes the pressure off. If you need a car for your life and you suddenly are without a car, you're going to buy the wrong thing nine times out of 10 because it's the right car at the right price. And I think it's going to fit my needs. And so I bought it and you start driving it in two weeks and you think, why do I have this car? (laughs) But if, but if you bought it for the purpose of this is the car that solves my car need right now, while I look for the real thing, I think that is very smart. I hope that's the step you're on while we got to this. The other car in his garage is a beloved 84 Volkswagen Rabbit GTI. He loves dri- the driving dynamics of this super light car and driving a slow car fast. Mm-hmm. Best radio announcer voice here. He's owned it for about eight years now, and it's pretty well sorted out mechanically. He doesn't see himself getting, I guess, a basketball announcer. Keep, 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 your, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Does anybody else remember oh, Casey gosh. Kasem? We're moving oh, on. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Okay. Huh? He doesn't see himself getting rid of this in the next few years and wants whatever he buys next to be more modern and a different driving experience than, a, than the GTI. Congratulations. Candy. Any car will be a different driving experience than that car. 
Prior to this point, he lived in Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Illinois, and the idea of owning a rear-wheel drive V8 car he couldn't drive five to seven months out of the year just wasn't justifiable. So, like the rest of his Fast and Furious generation, he idolized and drove the imports and Euro cars that were readily available to scratch his car enthusiast itch. Okay. Prior to the aforementioned GTI, some of his favorite fun cars included a 1991 Honda Prelude SI, 98 Jetta GLX VR6, and an 04 Jetta wagon with a VR6 and manual. More Volkswagen love is happening here. Sure. Mm -hmm. If you were still trapped in the Rust Belt today and looking for a new fun car... His short list would include GTIs, Golf R's, Miatas, Audi S4s, Focus STs, STIs, BRZs, <laughs> and maybe a Kia Stinger or a Genesis G70. Sure. He could go to 40 grand if he absolutely had to. Any other number below there 40 grand doesn't matter. There were numbers below that, but he got to 40, and Who Paul just cares? said, it's just 40 grand. Let's I saw the biggest there. number uh-huh. possible. Well, That's what we'll go with. Yep. 40 grand. He does enjoy working on his own cars and does basic maintenance and upgrades, but he's not brave enough to take on a total project like a 928 engine rebuild or something that will lead up 5 <laughs> he, to 10 grand. That's not in this paragraph, but it does fit <laughs> really, really well there. Well done there, Paul. I think that's great. Yeah. Just had to throw that in he there. He said that uh, there's no reason to own front-wheel drive at this point. He's mostly interested in a new driving experience. He he would like to have rear-wheel drive as a priority. Manual transmission, maybe not, even though he would much prefer it. And he's never owned a car with more than 220 horsepower. His first inclination now would be to, you live in Atlanta, you can get a rear-wheel drive V8. You're thinking American V8 rear-wheel drive car and experience the exact opposite of everything you've owned, which... You've listened to this podcast for more than five minutes. That's exactly where my head went. You know what you need <laughs> is a big American V8. Despite his affinity for Euro, he really likes a loud V8 noises, and the burnouts are something he wants to experience at least once. You will experience them many times. Mm-hmm. If you buy an American V8, just put, saying this right now, tire budget. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. just plant for – this is what I want to have happen. If you have a big V8, I want you to walk out one morning and realize you're tired of bald, bald and just go, huh, not like, oh, man, I need tires. Like, you were expecting Let's this. Drive. Of course that's happened. I'm surprised it took me this long. That's the headspace you have to be in for the big V8. Is there a BMW that isn't a maintenance nightmare that will make his wallet cry? Or a Lexus performance model that might fit the bill? Something German or Japanese from, the, from that flavor palette that he shouldn't ignore? He's looking, but he's also wanting to get that American V8 rear-wheel drive car. Yep. Because he's focused on small, nimble, handling-focused cars and lusted for all, all his life. And so he's looking at the C6 Corvette Grand Sport. Excellent choice. He'd love the Chevy SS, but having a hard time finding an SS under $45,000, especially with that manual. Automatic would be the only way to get that pulled off, yeah. He's leaning towards the C6 because rear-wheel drive, it can handle, and it's an incredible value because somebody took that gross depreciation hit before he did. Well, things have changed. But nevertheless, but they still come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he is being honest with himself because he's always despised the stereotypical Corvette enthusiast culture and the overcompensating midlife crisis attention seeking perception of them by non enthusiasts. Mm. But he says in a weird way, he thinks it might be good for him because he'll be more open to treating the vet like a true daily because it isn't really special to him. It's not going to be a pedestal car. For He's going to sure. want to drive it. And, and, and a quick side note here, Nate, who does our cycle report reviews and a lot mm-hmm. of our writing and yes. deals with organizing a lot of our writers, that stuff comes out every single Wednesday. If you're not reading the writings tab on Wednesday, you are missing out. We have a great Agreed. group of writers, Agreed. and they have different voices. Not like they're putting voices on, but I'm saying each of their writing styles is different. And so every Wednesday, it's a little bit different thing there. I'm bringing it up because Nate 
had an FRS for a long time. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the guy that put 245s on his FRS and went <laughs> hunting for people at autocross. Yeah. And he decided after many, many years of having that car, he would sell it. He sold it to somebody else on Discord, one of our other patrons. That's one of the pink slip things that you've always hoped for, Paul. That happened. He went out and bought a C6 Corvette Grand Sport. He shopped for a while. He realized he was in his late 30s, approaching 40, and he'd just gone shopping for a Corvette. And he started to laugh at himself. (laughs) And between he and his friends, he was given a pair of jean shorts and a pair of New Balance. So he could really lean into the thing. (laughs) But what he's found is it's the right car for him. And I want to use that as a launching pad because Nate is a driver. He, He can really drive. Yeah, for sure. Not just motorcycles. He's a serious autocrosser, and he likes track driving. And the Grand Sport allows him to take his wife out for ice cream. That was one of his requirements, like literally, like would work for a good top, top off ice cream car, but also could take it to the track. So it's been perfect for that. I'm using this as a launching pad to a comment I read in the last two days okay. that was talking about our 86 and was saying essentially that if we don't put an exhaust on it, all of our comments will be irrelevant. And I, I, oh, I laughed, right? But, but then I started really thinking because I'm, I've reached a place personally where I'm past putting an exhaust on a car. Hmm. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about this. Every car I've put an exhaust on has sounded better from the outside. Like when someone else drove it and it went oh, by, I was like, sure. that sounds great. Sure. Every single one of them has sounded better from the outside and worse when I was driving it. Mm. So I don't like mm. it because I want to be the one enjoying. To the same end, you hear people making fun of little tiny convertibles. Miata is the obvious target, but Miatas, Boxsters, whatever, because they have a perception my point here is be aware of the perception and throw it out. The exhaust is not for anybody but you. The car's enjoyment is not for anybody but you. If yeah. you can enjoy a C6 Corvette Grand Sport, who cares what the perception is? Buy it, drive it, love it. Nate just made fun of it and decided to buy some jean shorts, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> some, you can still just embrace some the car. Jorts and New Balance. You know it. Awesome. I'm seeing your love for power, Jason. But you still have a love for good handling cars. And he's tossed around the ideas of Mustangs and Challengers and RTs, Scat Packs, Hellcats. He's wondering about special editions and should he get a special edition of something instead of just a straight up, you know, run of the mill kind of Mustang or Challenger. But he says one of the major reasons he wrote in was to find out more about Porsche ownership. Wait, there's a curve at the end of this email. There's no, there's no mention. Of anything along these lines, and suddenly at the end of the email, let's talk Porsche. It's interesting because he asks if an early 997 or a 986.2 Boxster or Cayman is the right choice. Do they have enough power? Or is the rear engine driving experience that much better, even if it doesn't have an obscene amount of horsepower? Will Porsche ownership be gentle enough for him, or are they all, are they, are they all money pits? Okay. He's willing to set ex- his expectations with required maintenance. He says, maybe I spend 25 to 30 for the car and then sets aside 10 grand for the IMS bearing. They mm-hmm. don't cost that much. Not nearly. Or required maintenance, you know, all, mm-hmm. all in one lump sum. But he sh- should also mention that there is a surprising number of independent German and Porsche specialty shops in the metro Atlanta area. He can think of probably 15 or more. Wow. Which could soften the blow a bit. For sure. All over the map. I, so what I need to do here is fade into the woodwork. Well, no, well, you talk Porsche. Not necessarily, because I, <laughs> I like that you're looking at Corvettes, and I absolutely love what you said about them. Throw out the perception and go buy a car because it's good and you like it. Uh-huh. 
But you're asking about power, Jason, and power is used in short blasts. Yes, yes. Perceived power, and a lot of it, is a talking point above four or 500 horsepower. Completely. It becomes a talking point at a bar, it's at br- Cars it's and Coffee. bragging rights for whenever I get the chance to tell you how much horsepower. And the number of people that when they see a car that you want to have as a press car or a car that we have on the side of the road, the number one question from most people is not, do you like it? How is it to drive? It's mm-hmm. just, what's the horsepower on that? Because mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the universal stat, even though it doesn't always mean what we think it does. It's the universal stat we all reference. Oh, oh, that has a lot of horsepower. For both of our fun sports cars, the reaction is always disappointing when we reveal the, the power. Abs- on the Lotus, like crazy. Wait, yours under 200 horsepower? Yeah. How lame. What, it's what now? On the Cayman, it looks like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. It's just under. <laughs> it's way under, but I take but, your but point. But I yeah. tell people, yeah, it's 340, and it's non-turboed. Like, oh, yeah. isn't that a Porsche? Yeah, GTR could take it. Yep, it, it'll eat its lunch. Yes. Bye. GTR will decimate the Lotus. Bye. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, decimate the Lotus. Decimate the Porsche. Yeah, yeah. 340 is sort of like, yeah, thanks for not playing. the greatest. Doesn't my sedan or my, you know what? My SUV has that now. Yeah. 300 horsepower is not that just hard seems to like, find. Yeah. Mm, not really the great car. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you are looking for that kind of power, you're going to be using it to get around people on the freeway. To do a quick burnout, mm-hmm. to just go fast from stoplight to stoplight, because when does everybody actually execute on the the discussion they had at the bar? Yeah, it's got like six, eight hundred horsepower somewhere mm-hmm. in there, and I'll bet I can take you. When do people actually go out and try? Yeah, and, 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 we, don't, and we don't encourage it either because that typically ends in disaster. Well, the, the, yeah, if, it, if the, it's the a closed whole, course, the, the hold my fine. beer and watch this is not typically a good Absolutely idea not, for car driving. Yeah, nobody actually executes that mm-hmm. and makes good on it because it's a talking point. Yeah, the usable power, what you're talking about, is above 220 and also under 400. That's why I think both of our cars are still in that sweet spot, and that's why Porsches have interested you. I love the Corvette for you. They are powerful. They do handle well, and they are fun. Uh But you're looking at at it as a phase, just like you're looking at this budget car. Mm, It's mm. like a short phase, slightly longer than a budget car, until you really get your real car. Maybe that's a Porsche. Great. Maybe Uh it's not. But I, I want you to investigate it, but at arm's length. They're not for everybody. Not everybody loves Porsche, and that's okay. But if you're serious, join the Porsche Club of America and start shopping on the website because all those cars on there will have mm. been very much maintained and loved. Mm. Where you're not going to have to worry. They're being let go because of estate sales or because they couldn't afford them or because moving on to the or next the, Porsche after yes, that. That's or, very common. Yeah. You know, they've been very much loved mm. and driven and they're excellent cars on there. That's the best place to buy is yeah. from that group. Porsche, BMW, you know, name the group. Sure, yeah. From the enthusiast group, that's where you should buy your car. And then, yeah, you've got specialty shops to soften the blow. Maybe you find a car with the IMS already done. Mm-hmm. Bonus. Not that uncommon, actually. But I think it is the right combination. That's why I love those Porsches so much because they're not the lightest car ever, but they're not the heaviest. Mm-hmm. But they're not, you know, down on power by any stretch, and they sound great. They, they're just so balanced, and the build quality, it, in almost every category, they're at a 10 for me. That's why I like them so much. What I find interesting about the affordable Porsche, and you probably heard my air quotes there, look at our 
cars under $8,000, which I know are like cars under 10000 now, but we'd had a Porsche Boxster on there because the early ones you can find, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Now, your early 997, Joshua, that's going to be every bit of all your possible budget and more, but an early Boxster, yeah, you can find one. Sure. And you can sure. get maintenance done fairly easily on it. But the thing I think is interesting about base, Boxster, or Cayman, base, not the S, mm-hmm. I've talked to multiple people that own the base version and while they will all acknowledge it's not a hugely powerful car, I have never met a single person with a base Porsche, Boxster, or Cayman who didn't tell me it was crazy fun. <laughs> they always say, it's so much fun. Right. It's right. not powerful, but it's, it's so much fun. I had at least, I think it was three conversations at the meetup about this. Yeah. I have yeah. a base Boxster. I have a base Cayman. It's so much fun. So they are not power cars. And in this same idea, I would also recommend the BMW Z4 to you because I had one. Ding, ding. Z3 also works. Yeah. Cars out of that yes. uh, cheap sports cars are definitely worthwhile here. But the Boxster is um, probably the the least scary Porsche buy right now. Mm-hmm. Will you spend extra mm-hmm. money? Probably. There are known things to fix. You're not buying an old 928. You're not That's buying... True. The hottest version of an old 911. Single-handedly destroying 928 values everywhere. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I think the Boxster is a, it, it's the least scary buy into this world. But I think even a base one you would like, but you're not going to like it because let me show you how powerful this is. Right. And that's where what I want for you is not a car that you ever have to apologize for. It'll seem like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. you don't even have 350 horsepower. Bummer, dude. No, but, you know, I'll, I'll see you on track or I'll see you on the Canyon Road. Or yeah. I'll, you know, okay, you win the stoplight Grand Prix. Fine, have I mean, at it. I will drive home happy. It's not what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So I do like that to investigate that for you, but I don't want to discount the Corvette because you might really like it. I think you need to drive a C6 and a C7 because they're both excellent and I think it might be that blending of I've never had big rear-wheel drive American V8. All of that's accomplished in a very svelte, great-handling package. That might be the thing that is the answer for you. But this random Porsche uh, paragraph <laughs> at the bottom, we have to at least address it. And I think I, I've said it on our Cayenne piece. Mm-hmm. The thing that has been our experience with Porsches and many people we've known's experience with Porsches, fairly modern Porsches, things from the 2000s on generally, is that random things rarely break. The problem is that they will need maintenance, like every car will. Mm -hmm. You can't avoid the maintenance like you can in some cars. And when you have to maintain them, expect 25% more than if you were maintaining a Honda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of accept that. And that's been our experience with our Cayenne. It's only had a few little random things. And unfortunately, those random things have been quite expensive. But generally, it's just been the maintenance on this is expensive. But at 150,000 miles, our Cayenne still drives really well. And the, the interior is in good shape. We've raised a toddler and two dogs in this car. Right. I mean, you know, it's actually held up really well by being maintained. Expensive, but being maintained. So that's the thing about a Boxer, too. Yeah, and that's just it. About Porsches, they, they drive well regardless of mileage. Not all cars do that. But there's a cost to that. For sure. You've got a plan for that. I want to encourage you, Jason. And yeah, there's stuff to investigate, but I like that you're pretty narrowed at this point. So follow both those rabbit trails. Let us know what you come up with. And to be continued. I thought we would have time to get to all these questions that we've got lot, backed yeah. up. But the driver's seat photographer 
asked if the Smithsonian announced a new museum dedicated to cars and driving, mm. what cars would we nominate as worthy for such an honor? For example, mm. he would nominate the 1, 2, and 3 finishing four GT40s from the 1966 Le Mans race. Those are good. But what about the Ralph Lauren collection? He's kind of already doing this. Sure, yeah. Like the Jaguar XKSS or XKD. Oh, those are so Rolling pretty. sculpture. They're so pretty. The 300 SL Gullwing, the Bugatti Atlantic. He's got a 1958 Ferrari 250 Testarossa. Man with money and taste, clearly, yeah. But I would like to switch that, not just cars and driving, but the, the art of it, too. And that's what I love about the Ralph Lauren collection, because it's the art and beauty of driving. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we have the world's most expensive cars. And then why are they that value? Why did somebody mm. pay $142.8 million for the 1955 Mercedes 300 SLR, Haut Coupe? <laughs> why? <laughs> so it's they spectacular. Say, I have it and you do not. $142 million? Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's an interesting Smithsonian exhibit because mm. then you go into the backstory and the history. Mm. It's not just your typical Lamborghinis and Ferraris and that kind of stuff. Sure. It's, this is the exorbitant cost. Let me tell you why. And it always comes down to the people. That's what's interesting. I like this. Turbo Tofu had a question that I need to kind of unpack it. This is on Instagram. And I think I've got an answer. But it's a very interesting conundrum. He's saying we're being given a million dollars for a combination of our million? daily, track, and weekend cars. Mm. What are the three cars? But here's the catch. We have to go back in time to any year in the last 40 years. We have to be in that year and buy cars from that year. Okay. What are our cars? I think I've got this. It's pretty much the 80s, right? No, no, I'm saying any time in the last 40 years. Oh, any t- in, within the last 40 yes, years. Yes, okay. so any time. Yeah, yeah. oh, I'm great. jumping back to 2011. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's I'm buying a, a Boxster uh, Spider. All of the 2011s. <laughs> buy all of them. I'm buying a Boxster Spider. <laughs> I'm buying a, I might change that actually. I'm buying a BMW 1M mm-hmm. as the daily. Mm-hmm. Actually, here's what I'll do. I'll buy a BMW 1M as the daily. I'll buy a year 2011, the last year that they made the Lotus Elise, the, the Series 3 was the last year they sold it was 2011. Oh my gosh. And I'll get, I'm pretty sure it's also 2011. Wasn't that when they made the G, uh, the 997 GT340? Wasn't that also 2011? I believe so. There's yeah. the track car. I can't do better than that. That's excellent. Damon Dickon asks if designers hate license plates. <laughs> Are they worse than door handles and side mirrors to design and include? No, as a matter of fact, they're a wonderful break point. They're mm. a wonderful way to end a theme because oh, okay. you're forced yeah, to. Yeah. So you've got this theme and it has to terminate all the way around the car, front sure. or rear at the license plate area. Mm. And many cars nowadays will accommodate you know, many different shapes of license tags. But that terminus is a great way to end whatever that flat-ish yeah, surface yeah. It is that sets the tone, mm. that can mimic the front grille shape, that can mimic some other themes within the interior. It's a great way to end what the theme that mm. you've started and say, you know, okay, so here's the finishing capper on that rear license plate area. And you don't have... Otherwise, if you have two lines converging around the sides of the car, what do you do to resolve that? A flat, we've got to carve mm. that out. What a great way to end things naturally. It's a good mm. place. Mm. I think they like it. It's the door handles that suck. 
Oh, uh, I would need to talk about Eric Pagan writing in on Facebook. He says he just he just posted a picture and said, "By the way, you can still see American Original from space." That's so cool. If you look at Echo Utah, look up Echo Utah, put on the satellite and and scroll down into the actual gas station in town and you can see it was taken roughly 10:30 or 10:45 in the morning when we were shooting our American Original. They just happened to take a Google satellite image. You can see all the Corvettes in front of the old gas station in Echo Utah. It is random. Here's the reason I'm bringing this up because I heard recently that my son was somewhere with a group of kids and they started talking about everyday driver. Okay, it's cool. And the way he referenced the show to explain that the show exists is he pulled up Google Maps and he showed them the picture from space. And I was like, "Son, it's the wrong impression. It's the wrong impression. <laughs> Don't really use satellites. It doesn't have. To we have. The we have nothing sh- to do with satellite images. That is just a complete accident, but a funny one. But apparently, he's explaining our car show from space. Amazing." The real Brochacho is a dealer at the Audi dealership near him. He personally thinks Audi is making their best-looking cars ever. I agree. They're up there. What are the brands do we think are making their best-looking cars? Or what are the best-looking, most beautiful cars since 2000? I think Lotus is killing it right now. The Avaya and the Amira are lust-worthy. They're they are very pretty. gorgeous. They're yeah. modern, though, with yeah. beautiful surfaces. Mercedes AMG GT. I think Mercedes is doing fantastic work. I'm not quite convinced about the electrics, but the internal combustion engine cars are quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Ford GT, the McLaren 720S or P1, and of course, the Porsche Carrera GT since the 2000s. That thing has aged great. That looks, it's it, it looked phenomenal pretty. originally, and it looks great now, too. You're right. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We still have a long list of more questions to get to. Yeah. Thank you for writing. The uh, We could have gone on with the debates even longer, but that's what we do. So write to us. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com for your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.